We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in partnership with Broadway Sports Media and 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. Justin Mello is here joining me as always. Justin, we're here to preview a game. Titans Chargers. Last week is in the past, but man, I do not feel good about the Titans right now. How you doing? No, we're not feeling good at all. But like you said, like we always say, we're flushing it. We're moving on to a recap. Sorry, a preview episode, I should say. Moving on to a preview episode. We got a great guest to come in and talk about the Chargers. A really interesting team, right? With Justin Herbert at quarterback, Brandon Staley uh, as, as the head coach. A lot of questions there, right? They're 7-6 and six now, but I think expectations were a bit higher. Perhaps they're starting to peak at the opportune moment. That was a big win for them on primetime and Sunday night over the Miami Dolphins. So... Excited to uh, get our guest on and, and talk about the Chargers and Titans. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to need a plunger. We keep flushing all these bad losses down the toilet every week, but uh, I don't know how many times we can keep doing that. <laughs> but wh- whatever, let's get into it. Let's welcome in our guest now, Michael Peterson at Zone Tracks on Twitter, producer for Bolts from the Blue, the Chargers SB Nation website. Michael, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I really can't complain. Obviously, coming off a big win. Uh, so just in general, super stoked and happy to be here. Mike, what a massive win over the Miami Dolphins in primetime that was for the Chargers. You know, improving their record to 7-6 and six on the season and into a wild card spot for now. Does this feel like the turning point to what's been a disappointing season so far? Yeah, I, I certainly want to think so. Um, because, I mean, they were the Dolphins. Like, we, we had this idea of the Dolphins coming into this. And if there was any game where the Chargers were the most beat up, especially on defense, this was it. I mean, they were missing already a handful of players. Um, You know, JC Jackson left out early, Joey Bosa, uh, he's not available. And then all of a sudden you come into this week and they're like, no, sorry, no Bryce Callahan, who's been your best cornerback this year. Uh, No Derwin James, who's been your best defender this year. And then no Sebastian Joseph Day. And that's after losing Austin Johnson, uh, waving Jerry Tillery and just being like kind of thralled along that, uh, you know, defensive interior. So for them to come out and essentially – I guess like dismantle the, the Dolphins defense. I don't know if that's hyperbole at all, but uh, I, I would think Tua at halftime having three completions of, I want to say 15 attempts in the first 30 minutes of the game. I mean, that's quite the dismantling, especially after what we saw the 49ers do to them a week ago prior. Uh, the Dolphins team all of a sudden looks fairly weak compared to uh, what everyone's built up. So for them yeah. to to come out, put down their game plan and actually execute it is absolutely huge. Cause I mean, there's been a lot of games so far this season where Brandon Staley probably thinks he has a pretty good game plan and the Chargers defense just can't, uh, you know, execute. Right. And this was the first time, honestly, where it felt like the Chargers put together a complete game offensively, defensively, and on special teams. So in terms of this being a turning point, I would like to think that this performance shows you that the Chargers have proved to themselves that they can hang with some of the best teams because again, the Chargers have been winning all their games by like three or less points. You know, this was a nine point win, which for them is almost considered a blowout, you know, just by their standards so far. So I would like to think this is a turning point. Hopefully it means that Staley has a little more confidence uh, in his game plans going forward. And hopefully they're done kind of losing 
these games to lesser talent, especially down the stretch when they're still fighting for a playoff spot. Right. It's weird. The Chargers have had quite an interesting up and down season in the offseason, made all those acquisitions, especially on the defensive side and felt like they were probably a Super Bowl contender. And then just a few weeks ago, if you're looking ahead at the schedule as a Titans fan, you see some what feel like winnable games in December. Now the Titans on a three game skid, the Chargers suddenly look like they could be a competitive team and a playoff team again. But I'm wondering how this roller coaster has made you feel about Brandon Staley and his job security, considering the expectations coming into the season were so high. And he's meant to be a defensive genius and the defense has struggled at times this year. Where are you at on Brandon Staley as a head coach? Yeah, so I'm still pretty confident in Brandon Staley. Um, I think I was more worried actually about him and the job he was doing with the defense earlier in the season when there there wasn't a ton of injuries at that point, right? I mean, you still had uh, Mac out there, Bosa for the first couple games, JC Jackson obviously missed one of the first games of the year, but came back and they honestly didn't look all that great. And somehow, even with more and more injuries uh, coming up, They've kind of steadied the ship. And then, like I just talked about earlier, like they came out and, and did really well against the Dolphins and against a team that looked like their worst matchup on paper, right? Tyree Kill knows how to torch the Chargers. Uh, Jalen Waddell is just another super speedster. Um, and, and the Chargers haven't been good in general, either in the passing game, uh, stopping the run. They're one of the worst scoring defenses in, in, the, in the NFL. But Brandon Staley, I always felt that uh, – you know, the injuries were a baked in excuse. Um, yeah, it looked bad, but look at all the injuries, right? I don't know which coaches would really be able to overcome them. Um, and the job he did against the Dolphins was was fantastic. Now, um, on a different level, I, I feel confident in Staley and I feel confident that even if this season didn't really end well, maybe they don't make the playoffs because that's there's still a chance for that. I don't think Staley's on the hot seat enough where he's gone by next year. If anything, I've always felt that Tom Telesco, the general manager, is more than likely going to be gone before Staley is. Because at this point, mm. you would allow Tom Telesco to, I think, hire his, his third or fourth head coach in his 11-year tenure as a GM. And I don't know what GMs get that opportunity, right? right. He misses on Mike McCoy. He misses on Anthony Lynn. Um, Brandon Staley looks very promising, but similar to other uh, you know seasons with the Chargers, quite a few other seasons – the injuries pile up and it's just you don't know what you have because, quite frankly, you never saw it on the field, you know, at all. Um, but, la you know, last night it was a fantastic job. Maybe that's a finally a turning point for him getting a handle on the defense, but we'll see. But overall, um, I think, honestly, if there was a chance that he'd leave or be fired at the end of the season, they'd probably have to lose out the rest of the year. But if they keep it close, I mean, because they were nine and eight a year ago, if they even get close to that, especially with all the injuries they've had this year, that's still a good coaching job. Yes, it doesn't meet expectations, but let's be real about it. I mean, they shouldn't sniff a nine and eight record like they had last year with all the injuries, but they're kind of right up there right now. Right. The similar question about Chargers offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. We get the sense uh, Chargers fans aren't exactly happy with this offense, especially the utilization of Justin Herbert. What are your thoughts on that? So obviously the the discourse on Joe Lombardi and how he's handled Justin Herbert has been probably the biggest theme with the Chargers outside of their injuries. I think that's fair to say. And it's been a big enough thing where it's not just Chargers fans talking about 
how they're using Justin Herbert. It's the entire internet. It is the entire world of football media. It is ESPN. It's Fox Sports. It is absolutely anybody who has a voice on football right now. Emmanuel has something Acho. To, Emmanuel Acho, <laughs> right. Uh, exposed fraud last night. I mean, couldn't have been sweeter. But yeah, I mean, like everyone, that's why I think it's it's actually a real thing. At first, it was Chargers maybe just being picky about a different looking offense than what they expected um, to see Justin Herbert run, right? But then when the people who know the most, the people, uh, the biggest critics, the biggest um, analysts, everyone who knows ball to the nth degree has been saying the same thing. It is, I cannot believe Justin Herbert is uh, throwing six yard passes um, over and over and over again. I can't believe they're running, uh, you know, flat curl. I cannot believe they're running stick competed or repeatedly. I cannot believe they're running um, slants and just everything is just kind of like a couple yards in front of the line of scrimmage. Um, so, and I honestly, I agree with it. I, I think it's absolutely kind of insane. Um, but like everything, it's not black and white, right? There's a ton of reasons for it. Um, if anything, it's, it's the Brees system where they had the, you know, the ghost of Drew Brees for the last couple of years. So maybe it's what he's into. Um, he wants to be able to mar march down the field methodically. Um, and honestly, at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure the philosophy is that, you know, gaining six yards via the run or via the pass is still gaining six yards. Um, and, and via a pass, it, the ball gets there quicker, right? From zero to six yards in general, or zero to whatever the end gain is, it is a lot quicker if you throw the ball. So if anything, they're kind of considering the short passing game almost an extension of the run game, because let's just be honest, the run game isn't there whatsoever. Um, so what Chargers fans want, though, is, you know, let's let's exploit the deeper parts of the field. Well, okay, I would love that as well. And I'm sure all the analysts would love it as well. But the offensive line has been absolutely throttled. You know, Rashawn Slater has been gone since week four. Um, Corey Lindsley has been in and out of the lineup. Right tackle Trey Pipkins also in and out of the lineup, who also has been playing much better this year than he has uh, in the past since he was a third round pick in 2019. And you've got, you know, a rookie at left tackle now in Jamarly Soller. You've got a rookie at right guard. And unfortunately, veteran Matt Filer at left guard has kind of taken a step back. He was nothing over the top in his first year with the Chargers last year. But you look at his grades, and I mean, again, take pro football focus with a grain of salt and however you weigh their grades, but they've been horrendous. They've been absolutely terrible. He hasn't been able to really hold his ground, um, whether it's the passing game or the run game. So they're definitely taking a step back there. And I mean, you saw it last night. I think there's nothing more incredibly apparent about Justin Herbert's game is that he is phenomenal, but he also has to jump through 10 hoops to make a six-yard pass to try to get a first down. Um, you saw that pressure was in his face constantly. If you look at, let's just say the, the run blocking grades from uh, last night, they're all in the red, which usually means it's like below 40. And if anyone who knows pro football focus grades, a 60s average, like it was absolutely horrendous in the passing game as well. Um, so I don't know what folks think Joe Lombardi can do immediately. Like, I think he's at fault for a lot of things. I think in terms of play calling, uh, throwing way too many passes behind the line of scrimmage, despite it being a second or first and goal um, from the two yard line, you know, a lot of these things don't make sense. They need a first down, but they kept going horizontally behind the line of scrimmage. Things like that, I think very well could uh, criticize Lombardi for, but at the end of the day, he's trying to do what he can with who he has at this moment, right? I think last night was the first game that Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Joshua Palmer all started the game and finished the game. I mean, behind them, you've got Jason Moore and Michael Bandy and DeAndre Carter, who's been a career special teams player up to this point. So in terms of what you think anyone thinks the offense can look like with Bandy, Moore, and DeAndre Carter uh, running all the routes for Justin Herbert, it's just not going to be that way. And so a short passing game where you can try to scheme up some, some uh, separation, 
uh, to march down the field. That's kind of the move. But unfortunately, even those players couldn't find separation despite it you know, being schemed up by Lombardi. So overall, it's not what we thought, but injuries unfortunately have been um, at the heart of all these problems offensively. Yeah, it's interesting because you could say some of the same things about Titans have said the same things about offensive coordinator Todd Downing and how he just doesn't, they don't like his play calling. They don't like the pass run distribution. Titans obviously a little different than the Chargers in terms of there is no real short passing game to speak of. It's all running game. And Mike Vrabel gets up there at the podium and says things like, what what else can we do? We're working with the personnel we have. And I feel like the Chargers are kind of in a similar boat. You, you have to work with the personnel that, that you have to work with and try to design the best offense you can for them. Switching over to the defensive side of the ball, it feels like over the offseason there was an emphasis on improving the Chargers' run defense. Austin Johnson, a former Titans draft pick, was brought in. You mentioned he's been injured. Sebastian Joseph Day was also brought in. And because maybe because of all the injuries, maybe because of some schematic issues, it just hasn't really worked. Uh, you mentioned the Chargers' struggles on defense. They're currently fifth worst on run defense, um, allowing 147 rushing yards per game and now they have Derrick Henry on deck. Henry and the Titans have struggled a bit over the last month, but he did have a pretty productive game against Jacksonville if you uh if you forget about the two fumbles that he lost. So who's to blame here for the Chargers defensive struggles? Is it really just an injury issue? Is it something schematic that they just aren't getting or what do you think what do you think the problems are? Yeah, I think it's a couple things. Um, again, you always kind of got to stamp injuries because that is a big thing, right? Austin Johnson was having a, a good year. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day has been hurt. Uh, losing Joy Bosa obviously is huge. Yes, he's on the edge, so he can't do everything in the run game, but he his absence opens up like a complete side to run to on the outside. And the Chargers have been gashed quite a bit this year on the outside. They've let up, I want to say, four or five 50-plus yard touchdowns, including two 70-yarders. Um, outside the tackle. So that's been um, absolutely huge. But I think at the end of the day, Brandon Staley's defensive scheme, right? It's a three, four. Um, he brought it over from the Rams, uh, similar to Vic. It was the Vic Fangio tree, right? Right. Um, the, the philosophy on defense. one of the bigger ones is they want to invite opposing offenses to run the ball as opposed to passing it. Because at the end of the day, the average run play um, goes for less yards than the average pass play. Okay. So that's great. So, so, to invite that, they play with smaller boxes, lighter boxes. Um, and the point is that there's a lot of like post-snap rotation from the safeties, from the second and third levels um, to fill these lanes, right, that are that are empty, you know, at, at the snap um, to help shore up the run defense. Well, I've honestly just felt that, one, this defense takes a lot of communication, and two, it takes a certain type of player. I mean, these are defensive backs that you're – defensive backs, mainly safeties, that you're asking to mix it up in the box, you know, post-snap coming full head of steam um, against guys that are tough to tackle. I mean, these running backs are starters and gain a lot of yards for a reason. Um, so I just honestly haven't felt that the Chargers have had the right players for their system. Um, and if anything, it might just be a mentality thing, right? Like defensive backs make business decisions as well. Um, again, Derrick Henry's on tap. I don't know how well this game is going to go, but if you're asking Alohi Gilman, Nasir Adderley, um, Derwin James, who is still day to day as of today and what Brandon Staley said to the media, um, you might not have a guy who's ready to mix it up. And then when you look at cornerbacks, slot guys, just your Taylor played well last night. It looks like Bryce Callahan's coming back, but these aren't big guys either. And they're going to be asked to fill holes and gaps and try to stop Derrick Henry. Um, and, and who knows how well it's going to go. So I guess at the end of the day, in terms of issues, Injuries are a big thing. Personnel, you know, this is the second year of Staley's system. You would like to think he got his guys in there. Um, and he did, unfortunately. Some of them are hurt. And then one thing I'll always think 
really affected this defense and was kind of overlooked was the second level. Um, again, in this, they only played two middle linebackers, two real off ball linebackers and drew Tranquil's kind of tried and true. He's a good guy. He's not like an all pro level type player. He might be fighting for a pro bowl as, as well as he's playing this season. But then other than him, you've got Kenneth Murray. Now, unfortunately, Kenneth Murray has not lived up to his first round uh, pick status. Um, but I will say last night, we kind of saw, what Kenneth Murray probably could be um, just say, again, going off PFF's grades, he was the highest graded charger on the defense, 88.6 grade. I mean, that's, you know, 1.4 off an elite 90 plus grade. He had an 87 in run defense and 80.7 in tackling. This is not the Kenneth Murray we're used to seeing. Normally he isn't kind of near that bottom five. Right. Uh, most of this season, usually that bottom five was like JC Jackson, Kenneth Murray, uh, and then some random players rotating in. Uh, but this was a better Kenneth Murray. So hopefully, like we talked about earlier, this being like a pivotal game, I hope this is a that was a pivotal game for Kenneth Murray. Um, and hopefully the the, the, the personnel kind of comes together and, and meshes, and hopefully this defense starts to look like what we thought the defense might have started looking like last year and especially earlier this season. But again, injuries. Yeah, injuries are you know, every team deals with them. And then sometimes it's about what kind of depth is behind them. And maybe you have guys that you didn't know were going to be great. They could step up and make a difference, or you just have a bunch of practice squad guys behind them. And that's what it feels like the Titans are dealing with at exactly. this moment. Um, mm -hmm. You say you don't know how this game's going to go. So I am going to put you on the spot a little bit here and okay. ask you to try to predict it. We always wrap up um, our little guest spots with asking for your, your thoughts on how this game will unfold and maybe a score prediction. If you feel up to it, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've been trying to use reverse psychology because I think I try to be realistic, try to be non-biased. Um, and I always seem to find a way to justify the Chargers winning because of certain matchups or if they if they play like the team they are, they should win this game, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and this one, I am not calling a Chargers win. I am going, I didn't call the Dolphins as a Chargers win. I'm not calling this one a Chargers win, especially um, this is to me the, the hardest schedule left or the hardest game, excuse me, left on the schedule of these last four. Um, and Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry, man. I don't know. Like, I, it just sounds like an absolute nightmare to see this defense try to stop him. Uh, so I think it'll be a tough game. It's not in prime time, which Herbert's always on on prime time. It's always a close game. Without it being in prime time, seeing blowout losses to the Jaguars, blowout a loss to the Seahawks. I think like if the Chargers don't come to play, this might get out of hand uh, a lot quicker than we think. Um, I think maybe they'll come back. If it does get out of hand, they'll come back and fight, make it close. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go Titans. I'm going to say 26 Chargers, 21. Okay. I like that. I don't think Titans fans are feeling quite as confident right now after seeing the last three games and the way that the team has failed to really compete in any of them. I mean, they were close against the Bengals, but killer penalty at the end killed any chance of that game. So I think Titans fans will enjoy hearing that, but I don't know if they will agree right now. We'll see how things unfold on Sunday. Michael, thank you so much for your time and your insight. We appreciate it. Yeah, guys. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks again to Michael for his time. We are going to move now to our worst matchup of the week presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. The best worsts in Nashville, the best burgers, local brews. Make sure you check out the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. And they bring us our worst matchup of the week for the Titans this week. Look, I don't want to toot my own horn here because it's been dark days in Titans land. But we did say, we did say... Dennis Daly going against whoever is lined up across from him would be the worst matchup for the Titans in every game for the rest of the season. And I'm going to throw it to you. Does that change this week? 
No, it certainly does not, right? Uh, again, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I've been trying to avoid that one in recent weeks, right? I think I, I, had, I had looked at some receivers and some other players that were going to give them fits. But uh, looking at this Chargers defense, you've got uh, Joey Bosa. G- guess what, Titans? You, you get to catch uh, some great luck here, right? Joey Bosa is going to return off IR, it looks like, in time for this matchup. Uh, Khalil Mack is still playing a good football. Khalil Mack's a future Hall of Famer. What a nightmare, right? Pick your poison. Joey Bosa, I don't care if it's 60% of Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa against Dennis Daly is just a, a nightmare, right? Khalil Mack against Dennis Daly is an even bigger nightmare. So this thing's going to go poorly. Dennis Daly was awful again uh, on Sunday in the loss to Jacksonville. Potentially one of his worst games of the season, in all honesty, right? Like that That's really how bad it was, in my opinion. He's now allowed 11 sacks this year. That's more than any offensive lineman in the NFL. He's allowed 40 pressures. That ties him for second most pressures allowed among any offensive lineman in the NFL. And thanks to our buddy Wes uh, over at Broadway Sports for this statistic, there are 110 offensive linemen who have had more pass-blocking snaps than Dennis Daly this year. Of course, all of these numbers are from PFF, Pro Football Focus. Really captures how bad he's been. He was terrible against Jacksonville again, as mentioned. Uh, this is probably one of the worst matchups of the season for Dennis Daly. They got two yeah. Pro Bowl rushers on the other side, so good luck to him. Poor Dennis Daly. Poor Ryan Tannehill. I don't know. I mean, the Titans-Jags game last week got out of hand pretty quickly there in the second half, but you have to wonder how different things are if Dennis Daly was just better on the left side of the line, not giving up sacks to Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, strip sacks and all that. So I, I'm not going to go any differently here. I think, you know, there's an argument that could be made if Mike Williams is playing back and as, as well as he was on Monday night, if he can find consistency, as we talked about with our guests there, that he could be in for a worse matchup against, you know, whatever cornerbacks the Titans are trotting out there. If uh, if Christian Fulton is still out for this game, we are still awaiting his status. But yeah, I think that the Titans offensive line is not going to be looking great in this game and they're going to have to find a way at least in pass protection the Chargers have struggled to stop the run as we also discussed so maybe they'll find some holes in that area of the field but you you don't want to see Ryan Tannehill drop back too many times in this game so game flow game script playing with a lead I think it's going to be really important for the Titans in this game let's get into some more thoughts now as we transition here what has to go right for the Titans to win I think honestly the biggest thing that has to go right is like you got to affect Justin Herbert somehow and sort of kind of just hope that he has an off day because the last few matchups we've seen from this Titans team, Jalen Hurts passing for 380 yards. Trevor Lawrence put up a career high 368 yards on Sunday. Teams, like we, we said this on the recap show last week, the Titans are successfully stopping the run and it doesn't matter because the opposing teams are just throwing it all over the field on them. I'm kind of terrified that the Chargers are going to be like, why do we need to run the ball? Let's just let Justin Herbert sit back, pick apart this struggling defense that's filled with injuries, both starting linebackers on IR. Uh, Danico Autry probably still won't be back for this Chargers game. We don't know what Christian Fulton's status is. Things are not looking good. I have very little confidence in this Titans defense ability to stop the Chargers unless they shoot themselves in the foot. But even then, the Eagles, how many false start penalties do we see? The Jags were consistently shooting themselves in the foot and moving backwards on offense. And again, it didn't matter. They overcame all those penalties because the Titans defense has just been that bad. How do you like what are your what is your confidence level in the Titans going into this matchup? It's really low. Yeah. My confidence level is really low. I think think it 
depends on how much you know. We got to pay attention to the injury report. In all honesty, right? You you pointed to a couple of those things, but look, David Long is on IR. They're not getting him back, right? Uh, until week eighteen, that is. So they won't get him back for this game. Is is what I'm alluding to. They cut Ola Adani and Joe Schobert earlier this week. Perhaps that means that Zach Cunningham will be back for this matchup. I mean. He's he's certainly an upgrade on guys like Joe Schober, who, again, has now been released. He's an upgrade on Dylan Cole. He's an upgrade on Monty Rice. But in all honesty, those guys have been exposed for their lack of ability to play in space, right, to play in coverage. And Zach Cunningham's not that great in those areas either. So it's good to get him back if they do get him back. But opposing offenses might be able to still pick on him in the passing game, pick on the right. middle of the field. Right, which they, they've been doing lately. Um, you got to get Christian Fulton back. I think there's a good chance Fulton will be back for this one. Again, you're not getting David Long back. I, I don't know that you're going to get Dina Kowatri back. I would assume you don't for this Same. one. So getting Fulton back helps. You might get Traylon Burks back, concussion protocol. We'll see how that goes. But honestly, my, my biggest concern is who you're going to have on defense, right? If you, You're not going to have David Long. You're not going to have Dina Kowatri. You've got a hampered Jeffrey Simmons. Um Ultimately, all that adds up to my confidence level being really low. Yeah, same. I would have to say the best chance the Titans have of winning this game is a combination of two things. Derrick Henry goes off so the Titans can play with a lead and put the Chargers in tough game script situations. And B, Chargers gonna Charger. That's the saying that's been going around the league for the last couple of years. You need something dumb to happen in the Titans' favor. Until you get these guys back healthy, I'm not going to have any confidence in this Titans team to win games on their own. They need their opponent to beat themselves. And it hasn't happened in the last few weeks. Against Jacksonville, I mean, holy crap, were the Jags players making incredible plays. Like, yeah, the Titans' defense obviously struggled in that game. But Trevor Lawrence stiff-arming Dylan Cole to the ground and reaching the ball across the goal line for a touchdown, incredible individual effort. Zay Jones concentrating on the missed interception opportunity by Roger McCreary to get his feet inbounds. I mean, that's an incredible catch. Those catches don't happen every week. Evan Ingram going up and absolutely mossing whoever was guarding him on that long touchdown in the third quarter. These are really great plays. And the Titans simply didn't make those plays. The Jags did. The Eagles were making incredible plays. A.J. Brown's touchdown catch over Trey Avery was like the lowest probability catch that he's had, according to Next Gen Stats, this whole season. So, if the opponent's going to continue to make incredible plays against the Titans and the Titans aren't going to make any incredible plays of their own, they're just going to continue to get beat, then the results are going to continue to be the same. But if the other team can start making some mistakes that actually hurt them, not just false starts that they overcome on the next play, but some big-time mistakes, dropping balls that get tipped and end up as interceptions for the Titans, fumbling and not – the Titans actually jump on a fumble and recover it. They lost three fumbles on Sunday – any of those could have been recovered by the Titans, but they weren't the ones fighting hardest at the bottom of the pile. That's what you need. You need the opponent to make mistakes, and I don't know if we're going to see that. I'm going to predict the Chargers win 30-17 to because I don't think this Titans offense has found itself, and I don't think they will. What have you got? Yeah, I was going to go with a pretty similar final score prediction. I've got Chargers 27, Titans 16. Nice. I will be in attendance at this game, reporting for the Music City Audible Boots on the Ground. I got these tickets a few weeks ago, and I'm starting to regret it a little bit. But no, it'll be fun to go see the Titans in person. (laughs) The last time I saw the Titans at SoFi Stadium, it was against the Rams last year in a game that no one gave them a chance to win, and they dominated. So who knows? Football's crazy. It's always taking us by surprise. You never know how things are going to go. But yeah, confidence level is low. 
All right, that will do it for this preview episode of the Music City Audible. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Remember to check out the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in East Nashville, the best burgers, the best brats in Nashville. And check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Become a Broadway insider. Yeah, become a Broadway insider today. It's $6.99 a month. You could use the code insider to get your first month for just 99 cents or use the code annual uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the table. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts, uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at uh, F-Words Pod. Uh, it's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're a Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. And also check out all the other podcasts and content that Broadway Sports Media has to offer. Follow Justin on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. You can follow me at Titans Film Room. We will be back next week for a double episode thing like we did the last time the Titans played on a Thursday to recap the Chargers and preview the Cowboys. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.